Chapter 18 The Chief End of Man June 1, 1954 Good morning, friends. Different people have at different times proposed lists of key moments in history, each according to his presuppositions. For me, one of the great landmarks of history is the Westminster Assembly, which met between 1643 and 1652 and whose work provided the moral and spiritual backbone of subsequent British and American history. One of the products of that assembly was the Shorter Catechism, the first statement of which is one of the best known in all literature. To the question, quote, What is the chief end of man? Unquote, this great answer is made, quote, Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Unquote. We are told very clearly that man was made for a purpose and can only be understood in terms of that purpose, which is the glory of God. Man is not an end in himself, but an instrument to be used to a specific purpose. Let's look at it this way. Supposing I buy, and I'm doing some very tall supposing here, a new car, take it out to the end of the pier, and expect it to act like a boat just because it's a good car. The result, of course, will be an obvious failure, and I'll end up with no car at all. Or supposing I have some sawing to do, and try to use a hammer for the job, or some hammering to do, and try to use a saw. The stupidity of such confusion is transparent. But this kind of thing we are constantly attempting to do with ourselves. We were created for a purpose, made into a precision tool designed for a specific function, and yet we try to use ourselves for everything except that particular job. The function from which God created us is His service and glory, and to apply our lives to any other task is to misuse ourselves and evade our responsibility. At the heart of the frustration of the modern man is this realization. No matter what he does, he doesn't fit. He can't find himself in all his seeking and his activity because in all these things he is running away from his created function, the glory of God. We shall never find ourselves until we have first of all found the Lord, nor shall we truly live until we begin to live for Him. As Augustine said, quote, Our hearts are restless until they rest in Thee. Unquote. The purpose of our lives, therefore, is understandable only in terms of God, and the more we try to live to ourselves, the more meaningless and frustrating our lives will be. The more we live to ourselves, the less alive we are. We must deny ourselves in order to live. As Jesus declared, we must lose our life in order to find it. Matthew 10.39 This is the paradox at the heart of life, and yet it is clear and understandable when we see God as our Creator and recognize that, quote, of Him and through Him and to Him are all things, unquote, Romans 11.36. He is the source of all life, purpose, meaning, and function. Therefore Paul enjoined us, quote, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God, unquote, 1 Corinthians 10.31. Since man's chief end is to glorify God, all activity outside of God is a standing still. It is a waste of life and of time 
and constitutes a living death. On the other hand, all activity under God is freed from futility and has the assurance of perfect results. Because we now function in Him and under His grace, we have the assurance that He blesses our most feeble faithfulness and gives it a harvest. As a result, Paul urges us to greater service, declaring, quote, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Unquote. 1 Corinthians 15.58 There is more, however, than this to the promise given to us when we live according to our creation purpose. Our chief end is not only to glorify God, but also to enjoy Him forever. This is the surest dimension of Christian faith, one of the quickest ways to recognize true living in the Lord. The man who lives according to the purpose for which he was created knows the joy of fulfillment in Christ and the victory of his presence even amongst outward defeat. How do we enjoy God? By obedience to him, by closeness in fellowship, by living in him and for him, and by living in this great assurance that our life and labor is not in vain in the Lord. To enjoy God is to know him in the person of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to recognize the redeeming love that is present in him. Only when we truly enjoy God can we truly enjoy life, because it is only then that we are reconciled with ourselves. God in Christ has made reconciliation with us, and in that peace we find peace with man and with ourselves. Then we have life, and have it more abundantly, for, quote, He that hath the Son hath life, unquote, 1 John 5.12. When he stills that warfare within us that constantly threatens our souls, he gives us a life that has victory and joy. When man lives according to his chief end, the result for him is this joy and victory. Nothing in life has anything for him apart from the Lord. As the psalmist declared, quote, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Unquote. Psalms 73, 25-26 What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever.